Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. So we have a scripture today, Romans 7. I just want to give a little bit of a content warning that if you're someone who grew up in a um, theologically kind of purity culture church, that this, this scripture might bring up a couple of things for you. We invite you to use your skills uh, to regulate with that. Um, does anyone know, if you look at this table of contents of the Bible, does anyone know where Romans is? Letters, yes, 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 because it's uh, written to Rome, and so this is a letter to the Romans. Um, And I'm going to read through this, and I'll invite the people on the live stream to write out a word or phrase that sticks out to you in the chat. And similarly, if you're uh, you're on-site here, you can yell out a word or phrase that sticks out to you. Here's this word. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Because I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do the thing that I hate. But if I'm doing the thing that I don't want to do, I'm agreeing that the law is right, but now I'm not the one doing it anymore. Instead, it's the sin that lives in me. I know that good doesn't live in me, that is in my body. The desire to do good is instead is inside of me, but I can't do it. I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. But if I do the very thing that I don't want to do, then I'm not the one doing it anymore. Instead, it is sin that lives in me that is doing it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think this is really a rich text. I actually, I mean, I know that it's been used in like many problematic ways, but like, it's also just so interesting. So yes, um, it, what word or phrase uh, stuck out to you from this word, uh, from this uh, word? And then I will, uh, in the live stream, I'll pull up the chat so you can also weigh in. What stuck out to you? I don't know what I'm doing. Listen, embroider that onto a pillow. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's, that's our inspirational quote. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else? I don't do what I want to do. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not the one. Hmm. Hmm. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, all of this is so interesting. Um, and I see the, the words starting to come in on the live stream. Feel free to keep um, putting those in as well. We have folks um, saying, <laughs> saying, whoa, yeah, <laughs> uh, sin that lives in me. I'm not the one doing it anymore. I don't or do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, if there was a word or phrase that stuck out to you, we invite you to continue to meditate on that throughout the worship service today. We are in the middle of our sermon series. Ready? All good. Yes, there's a little bit of choreography. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, please don't run away. Uh, we have, so the choreography is you put out your foot and then you vaguely gesture to your whole body and say, all good. Because uh, we are talking about the goodness of bodies. If creation is good and God made creation, then our bodies are good because God made our bodies. 
So, um, so that is what we are focusing on today. As always, we have a uh, sermon series challenge where you're welcome to uh, do one of our challenge action steps and then weigh in on how it went. We had some really good um, folks posting about this on Circle, our social platform. Uh, folks talking about invisible disabilities and how that presents our own challenges. Because last week we had a fire sermon about disabilities. Ooh, Greg Woods about a word. Um, the practice of catching yourself making microaggressions and just people kind of observing like, you know, sometimes we say things that we don't mean to say or don't mean to imply, and yet that's what we said. And so we, so kind of like catching ourselves in that is a perpetual uh, practice. Interpersonal ableism is frustrating, but systemic oppression presents much bigger barriers. So just disabled folks in our community weighing in like, yeah, it really stinks when people use a hurtful word or phrase, but what stinks even more is not having housing <laughs> or like not being able to get a job. So like, I think um, I, I just appreciated the both end of that. And then also naming that accommodations are often about retrofitting spaces, but what about designing spaces to include people in the first place? <laughs> So, like, I really thought that was a powerful post as well of, like, when we talk about disabilities, like, how do we not just tack this on as an afterthought, but really make this, like, a robust part of how we create community together. So, yes, uh, thank you for weighing in. Our, um, our fabulous um, uh, Circle platform is there for you if you want to weigh in on the Sermon Series Challenge throughout the week. If you don't have a Circle account, you are welcome to get a free one at grownewcity.church slash circle. And then you can uh, be with us. And there's no algorithm. There's no creepy targeted ads. Like, it's just beautiful community. Um, today, after the sermon, we are going to have some time to complete the community survey. We're, uh, October is Community Listening Month. Even if you filled out the community survey last week, there is an opportunity for you to revisit some of these questions. So you can be thinking about in your head, like, what are things that are important for New City to consider as we're creating our next year of programming? Um, okay, so... Uh, without further ado, it is my great honor and privilege to welcome up our preacher for today. You have the delight to listen to someone who is a designer, a theologically trained theologian, and someone who has been part of the New City community for years to come. Show lots of love for Sarah! Hello. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me here. My name is Sarah, like Tyler said. I use she, they pronouns. Um, and I just, I would like to give a shout out to um, Molly for this amazing graphic because I am literally obsessed with it. Like, obsessed. I'm especially a fan of this little triangle that's like, <laughs> that's my favorite one. Um, so anyway, <laughs> just, just a side note. Um, okay, so as Tyler mentioned, we are continuing our series on bodies, um, and uh, as another side note, I'm just starting this with a lot of side notes, um, I was not here for the first part of the series, so I listened to it on our podcast, shout out to the New City Podcast, if you ever miss it, or if you want to revisit something, podcast is so handy, um, but Tyler introduced this series, and he was like, all good, a series on bodies. And I like really wanted him to keep saying it like that, um, but he immediately stopped. So I'm a little disappointed. I just, 
I'm just holding that disappointment in my body and learning to, <laughs> to live with it. My body. Um, so anyway, uh, we are going through this uh, somewhat convoluted passage in Romans 7 today. There's like a lot going on. And I personally feel like Paul was like having a little bit too good of a time writing this. Like, it's just like, I feel like he thought he was really clever. Um, but it just ends up being like very confusing. Um, and so like, this is what I imagine is happening in, as he's writing this passage. Um, so yes, I spent a lot of time looking for that painting of Paul to get the right facial expression. Like, I don't know why this person painted Paul like that, but they did. And, uh, it was great for this purpose. Um, so yeah, (laughs) but You know, I would guess that what Paul is describing in this passage is a pretty familiar feeling for most of us. Um, I mean, I hope it is because I definitely feel it and I don't want to be the only one. Um, But despite the fact that, like, so many of us experience this and feel this whole, like, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do, um, I still find myself, like, bringing in a lot of shame and inadequacy into that. Um, and like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with how I act, interact with my own needs and desires and body. Um, but I do believe that there's truth in this passage that points to something that can lead us out of that shame and into a deeper understanding of the wholeness of our being, including our bodies. Um, so just a side note. I don't know why I have so many side notes on the passage. Before I get into it, um, Paul is using I in this passage, and we don't really know who Paul is talking about. Um, He could be talking about himself. He could be talking about himself like before he encounters Jesus. He could be talking about himself before and after he encounters Jesus. He could be using I as like a whole we situation. Um, We don't really know, um, but even without knowing the specifics, Um, we can still recognize that this is a really common human experience and we can find this invitation to wholeness in it. Um, So let's start with what is immediately obvious about the passage. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. That sticks out like a lot. (laughs) Um, And this could be like anything. It could be something really inconsequential like I'm going to go home and do the dishes and instead I go home and watch like the Great British Baking Show which is a very common experience in my life. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that, but I do need to do the dishes. Um, Or it could be something like, um, I don't want to keep getting into the same argument with my partner over and over again, and yet I still find myself there. Um, So, like, what is keeping us from doing the things that we want to do or not doing the things we don't want to do? Sometimes the answer is really straightforward. So, you know, maybe you want to go outside more, but... You live in, I don't know, Minnesota, where half of the year it's, like, dark when you go to work, dark when you come home, and, like, going outside in the dark in sub-zero temperatures is just not appealing. Um, Or maybe, like, you have kids that you're responsible for, um, and you're not able to find or afford childcare so you can, like, go hang out with your friends, work out, take a class, whatever it is. Um... Sometimes there's just a reality in your life that's keeping you from doing things, and that may or may not change. You might be able to find a creative solution. You might be able to ask for help, but sometimes the reality is you are just in that situation. Um, 
But sometimes the wall that we come up against is like a little more complicated than that. Um, so verse 18 says, um, uh, just kidding, I missed this slide, apparently. But the first step is self-awareness of knowing like what I am doing. Um, so as we're examining all of that, having the self-awareness to like see what the reality of our situation is. The reality is that I end up watching the Great British Baking Show instead of doing my laundry or my dishes. Um, so just having the self-awareness to see that in our own lives is really important. Um, but then we come into this verse. I know that good doesn't live in me, that is, in my body. Um, and you may remember from one of Tyler's earlier sermons that this word for body is sarks in the Greek, and that is sometimes translated flesh. Here it's translated body, um, which I'm pretty glad about because flesh is just like a weird yeah. word. Yeah. Like, I don't know any context that I would use that word outside of the Bible and like the merchant of Venice and his like pound of flesh. Like, there's no, there's no situation when I'm using this word. Um, so I don't know what good, that go I know that good doesn't live in me, that is in my body. So I want you to read this, and I want you to promise me you're not just going to take this at face value. You're not going to look at this and be like, all right, I got it. I'm going to tune out for the rest of this. Um, so promise me you're not going to do that, um, because if you do read it at face value, it seems like it's saying that our bodies aren't good. It's like can lead us to think that we have to disconnect from our bodies and that we have to live in this realm of like mind or soul or whatever it is. Um, and that's where we find the good. Um, but surprise, it's the exact opposite of that. So there you go. Um, I'm a little bit mad at Paul because like could you not just write things like this? Like, could you be a little more clear? Um, and I fully realized this was like 2,000 years ago. I was in a different language, whatever. Um, but I'm still going to be mad about it. Um, so, flesh or body. Um, there is a uh, theological um, scholar that I um, am quoting here, and he says, flesh for Paul is not simply the biological stuff of our physical bodies. It also means living life naturally. We might say that is fundamentally trusting all of the assumptions, practices, patterns, habits, social arrangements, and so on that we take for granted as the way things are. So I think that you can see how living life, quote unquote, naturally, not naturally as in like the way our bodies are like organically made to function, but naturally as in the practices, patterns, and social arrangements of our world could lead to some serious trauma in our bodies. Living in a world with mass incarceration, police brutality, systemic racism and white supremacy, lack of affordable health care, like I could go on and on. When these are the natural social arrangements in our world, if this is what it means to live in the flesh, no wonder something's not working. No wonder we're at war with our bodies. Um, if you remember the first week of this series, Tyler talked about flesh as vulnerability, 
Flesh as our traumatized bodies, and then the spirit as security and groundedness. Um, So in order to access the good, to listen to the spirit, in order to follow that desire towards wholeness, we need to address the trauma that we hold in our bodies so that it doesn't control us, so that it doesn't have such a tight grip on us and the things that we do. Um, I'm not an expert on trauma, surprise, surprise. Um, I'm not a therapist. I highly recommend a good therapist if that's something you have access to. Um, But I can offer some practices from people who are experts on this and who do have some suggestions. Um, And one of the places that they suggest starting is getting yourself into a settled state where you are not super activated by the trauma that is happening in your body, but you are able to be settled and sit with all of the things going on around you. Um, so I, um, one of these people wrote this book called My Grandmother's Hands, which I think someone from New City recommended to me. Um, but they said, learning to settle your body and practicing wise and compassionate self-care are not about reducing stress. They're about increasing your body's ability to manage stress as well as about creating more room for your nervous system to find coherence and flow. So like another word for this is self-regulation. And I've read self-regulation being kind of like a thermostat where you are experiencing maybe these emotional highs, these emotional lows, um, but you have the skills to bring yourself back into this temperature or a range of emotions that is maybe not necessarily as comfortable as it could be, but it's at least manageable. You know, like you're not like having heat stroke, you're not experiencing frostbite, you're able to manage in that situation. Um, So one of the main ways that this is talked about is this window of tolerance. So this window of tolerance, you have this green space, and that is kind of where you're self-regulated. And you have this like up and down of emotional stress experiences, Um, that sometimes will go out of that window of tolerance. So maybe they'll go way up into what's called hyperarousal. So that's when maybe you're like really anxious, you're really activated, your fight or flight uh, is activated, um, and maybe you're overwhelmed. Um, And sometimes those will go way down into hypoarousal. And that's kind of when you like shut down, when you're just numb, you can't feel your feelings, Maybe you're really depressed. Um, And self-regulation is being able to use your skills so that when you do go way up or way down, you're able to bring yourself back into that window of tolerance so that you can deal with whatever is happening around you, whatever stress is happening, whatever trauma is happening. You're in a place where you are your most resourced self so that you can address that. Um, So... I think you can imagine like how difficult it is to do what you want to do when you're like way down here. I just want to stay in bed. I don't want to get up. I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to go to work. Or you're way up here when you're like, I can't even like focus on anything. I'm just too activated. Um, It's really hard to do what you want to do or I think even know what you want. And so the next thing... um, that I want to address is just knowing what we want. Um, But before I do that, um, just one of the main ways that people talk about 
coping in this and getting back into the window of tolerance is, surprise, surprise, your body. Um, so that means if you're way up here, doing things to calm your body, doing breathing exercises, yoga, taking a bath, or if you're way down here, kind of doing things to activate your body, um, doing grounding activities to like bring yourself into the present moment, um, dancing, singing, um, going outside when it's really cold and experiencing like that different temperature. Um, our bodies help us stay in this window of tolerance. Um, and as we settle our bodies and start to heal from our trauma, we can more clearly see and articulate what it is we truly want. So the second part of verse 18 says, the desire to do good is inside of me. We get to discern that desire, that heck yes in us, from a place of spirit, from a place of security. Um, one of the struggles I have with this whole, like, I do what I want, I don't want to do, whatever, um, is answering this question, like, what do I actually want? Because I find myself, like, avoiding something that I say I want to do, when in reality, it's just something I feel like I should do because of something outside of me that isn't really me. Because something that doesn't actually align with my values, but it's just someone out there makes me feel like I should do it. Um, or sometimes shame is keeping me from pursuing or doing something that I actually do want to do, but I'm so mired in that shame, I can't even see that. Um, in, uh, in John 10, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd and how he takes care of his sheep. He makes sure they're safe, accounted for, knowing each of them intimately and protecting them with everything that he has. I think this is a great example of that place of security. And in that place of security, Jesus says, I come so that they could have life, indeed so that they could live life to the fullest. In that security and safety, in that groundedness, they're free to live their fullest lives, and we are free to live our fullest lives. Uh, in her book, Pleasure Activism, Adrienne Marie Brown talks about learning how to feel that yes and no in her body through somatic work. And somatic work is work that involves the body, um, but engages kind of the whole self, the mind, the body, the spirit. Um, and she says, somatics helped me begin to gauge what I truly wanted and needed. I got in touch with feelings of restlessness and wandering that let me know when I didn't want to be somewhere or with someone or with a political project. I could also feel the distinct energy of moving toward or forward that let me know when I did not want to be around someone, did, not want, did want to join in an effort from a place of authentic alignment rather than obligation. This awareness extended until I could begin to feel when I wanted to be in a certain place, job, political project, or even city, and when it was time to go. Yes is an embodiment. Yes is a future. In physical connections, I was able to stay more present. I learned that I had a no, a visceral, clear, hell no. If I listened to the no, if I honored it and set boundaries, it made more room for my yes. And the beautiful, miraculous new possibility is I am able to stay present in my yes. 
I can feel the yes in person. I can feel it at a distance. I can feel myself move towards an idea, a longing, a vision. I am a whole system. We are whole systems. We are not just pains, not just our fears, not just our thoughts. We are an entire system wired for pleasure, and we can learn to say yes from the inside out. So last week, I was talking with a friend about this sermon, um, a friend from New City, and she mentioned that we are both told, like, trust your gut, and also that our bodies can't be trusted. And how in the world are we supposed to know which one of those is, like, helpful or true? Because we know that trauma in our bodies means that sometimes our bodies lie to us. Sometimes our bodies tell us we're not safe when we actually are, or vice versa. Um, And Adrienne Marie Brown remind us that our bodies also hold a lot of wisdom, too. When we do the work to heal and address our traumas and vulnerabilities, we can learn to hear that yes and that no that our whole self, including our bodies, is telling us. So after all of this big struggle of Romans 7, Paul closes this chapter with, I'm a miserable human being. Who will deliver me from this dead corpse? Um, Which, like, (laughs) is a little dramatic, but I get it. I've been depressed too. I get it. Um, And he eventually moves on to chapter 8, where he celebrates that the one who delivers him is Jesus. And he says in Romans 8, 4, Now the way that we live is based on the Spirit. The way that we live is based in the Spirit or the security of knowing that we are loved and cared for, that we are set free for the fullness of life, and that we get to live into a resounding no and an embodied yes. 